The Islanders just have to keep winning. When you have a super competitive nature like that, being in a playoff race like this every day, this is fun. You know, once you start to drive every day, uh, I I don't want to watch other people drive. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 157, as we move past the NHL trade deadline and move into a full-blown playoff push for the Islanders. And hi, I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday, and we'll be going over what the Islanders did or did not do at the trade deadline and look look ahead to just how how tough a playoff push this is going to be for this team as they move ahead. And we'll have a quick chat with defenseman Adam Pellick on his recovery from a head injury. Uh, later on, we'll also uh, play some audio with a chat I had with Kyle Palmieri, sort of on the state of the team and other things. And of course, your questions for Andrew's answers. But let's just start with what and where this team is. And what they are right now is in a playoff spot, in the first wild card spot, as I speak. And this is on a, a, a Sunday as they come off uh, what turned into an impressive 4-1 win over the Red Wings on a, on a Saturday afternoon matinee at UVS Arena. And boy, should there be way more of those Saturday and Sunday matinees. So that that was a much needed win. The the Red Wings, uh, I think that was their fourth or fifth straight loss. Um, but they had been coming in the playoff push, and they're one of these many teams that have played uh, considerably fewer games than the Islanders. And the Islanders needed to sort of put the Red Wings in the, in their rearview mirror, which they did. Um, but honestly, uh, every single game is going to be like that down the stretch, especially. Coming up here, you got the Buffalo Sabres, who you talk about up-and-coming teams. Uh, the, the Sabres have to really worry, not just the Islanders, but the, the, the Penguins, the Capitals, the Panthers, anyone else who's vying. In the, it's sort of a 17 battle for these two playoff wildcard spots. And uh, the, the Sabres, you know, you don't want to call them a prohibitive favorite, but they got a lot of things on their side. So uh, you got the Sabres coming into UBS Tuesday night, and uh, that that's a must win for the Islanders. And then the Islanders go to Pittsburgh for a Thursday night game against the Penguins. And uh, again, that's a, another absolute must win. Look, the, the, the Islanders have won the first three games against the Penguins, and, uh, you know, a four-game season series sweep would be uh, pretty definitive for the Islanders. Uh, but uh, it's it's certainly not going to be easy. And then you come back to uh, UBS on Saturday, boo, a night game on Saturday. Uh, you got the Washington Capitals coming in, and even though uh, the Capitals sort of hurt their own playoff chances uh, by trading away a few pieces, including defenseman Dmitry Orlov, who we'll talk a little bit about later. Um, the Capitals are still in in that wild card pack of teams pushing for that position. So you, you got to win that game too. You got uh, three more games coming up against the Capitals uh, this game. And then uh, you got two in Washington 
I believe one in March, uh, one in April. All must wins. And that's because, again, the Islanders have just played more games than other teams, and they really hurt themselves in January. And they're just starting to crawl back out of that hole. If you look at points percentage, for a long time, the Islanders were were holding a playoff spot, but had the worst point percentage amongst the, the teams that were sort of battling. But now uh, uh, a few wins here. What are they uh, on a 5-2-1 run here? Uh, as I speak. Uh, again, this is after the win against the Red Wings. So the, the Islanders' play, uh, points percentage is now at .554. Um, and, and in comparison, the, the Penguins, who, as, uh, as I speak, are one point back in the second spot but have played three fewer games, their point percentage is .573. The Sabres are at .557. So you can see just how crucial that, that, that game on Tuesday is going to be between the Islanders and the Sabres. And then you got another team that's really pushing here, and that's the Ottawa Senators. And they're at point five four eight um, as we speak, or as I speak. Uh, you may be speaking, I don't know, probably trying to talk over me so you don't have to hear this. But uh, the Senators are have played three fewer games, and uh, they are only uh, four points behind. So again, the Islanders just have to keep winning. Uh, just keep winning here. They, they can't afford any more losing streaks this season. Uh, you know, even a two- or three-game losing streak is, it could be, you know, really fatal to their playoff hopes at this point. And uh, I don't want to say it's a lot of pressure to play under because honestly, and I remember I had a chat with Zach Greasy about that this week. Um, you know, for, for mere mortals like us who are not in this, uh, uh, you know, in the dressing room and in, in this world of athletics other than, you know, as interested or paid observers or, or both uh, in my case, um, you know, this this is fun for the players, and I don't know if fans can grasp that, but these guys, and we've discussed this on the podcast, how super competitive these guys are, and that's what separates them from players who don't make the NHL, uh, is their competitive nature, their, their, their super, super competitive nature. And when you have a super competitive nature like that, being in a playoff race like this every day, it, this is fun. This is what these guys really, really enjoy um, is coming to the rink and knowing you have to get those two points. And yeah, losing hurts. Losing hurts so much more at this time of the year. But winning is a little bit sweeter. And uh, they, they, they're really enjoying the challenge. And uh, that that's what it comes down to. And, uh, you know, Zach's eyes sort of lit up discussing uh, the challenge of, uh, of being in a playoff race, especially when the Islanders were, were so definitively out of it last season. For, for these guys to be back in it this season, they, they're really relishing every moment. And I know you'll say, well, was that the case in January? And uh, look, January was January. The, the Islanders have sort of righted their ship now. And they've, they've given themselves a chance, and, then, and that's all you can ask for. But uh, uh, and some of the reasons they've given themselves a chance is they are, again, a dominant third-period team. And that, that was the case earlier this season, and then they went into this funk where they could not do anything right in the third period. They couldn't hold on to leads. 
and they were just watching points go by the wayside. And that, again, that was a lot of January, right? Um, but lately, um, they are 13-0 and in the third period. Um, I believe that's over their last eight games, I want to say, and they've scored at least one third period goal in seven of those eight games. So those are really, really good numbers. And over their last or, or previous six games, uh, the Islanders have only allowed eight goals. And of course, of course, this starts with Ilya Sorokin, who's the team's MVP. But uh, Semyon Varlamov also chipping in with some uh, with some good performances and solid goaltending. And uh, we'll talk a little bit later. But uh, one of the reasons why Lou Lamarillo, the Islanders' boss, did not send out or trade away Semyon Varlamov, um, who is an impending unrestricted free agent, is for for the for the games that Ilya Sorokin is not going to start, and to give him uh, a real solid one-two punch in net. And uh, if people forget, but. When the Islanders went to back-to-back NHL semifinals, and that was not all that long ago, Semyon Varlamov, not Ilya Sorokin, was in net for the bulk of that. So uh, uh, you got 13-0 outscoring opponents in the third period over eight games. You got eight goals allowed in the last six games. And one of the reasons uh, for all of this, obviously, is uh, the defensive play, the, the goaltender play, but also the the entire defensive structure and and the Islanders have have limited the, the crease opportunities they've limited the rebounds uh, and they they've boxed out better this is stuff that coach Lane Lambert was really emphasizing in practice a, a couple of weeks ago was boxing out and just being more engaged physically and and it seems like that lesson has gotten through um, with, with, with the way the Islanders are playing in their, in their defensive zone. Uh, they've not been as prone to defensive zone turnovers. Uh, every team is going to turn the puck over, and the Islanders still have some issues there, but it, it's not as pronounced. And, and one of the reasons the Islanders are so much better defensively is a, a return to form for Adam Pellick. And as I said, I, I had a chance to chat with him about his recovery from a head injury that kept him out uh, for for 21 games uh, in December and January. You went through that the Achilles, so you know what it's like to be out for a long time. Was, yeah. this, was this one a little bit, you know, did it go on a little longer than you thought it would? Or? Yeah, it uh, went on a lot longer than I thought it would. And honestly, it was a lot more difficult to come back from than yeah. anything, anything I've dealt with, including the Achilles. Yeah. Um, you know, the Achilles was uh, heading into the bubble, and I was fully healthy tra- uh, heading into that, like, uh, pre-bubble training camp. Yeah. So I didn't really feel like I was behind at all. But coming back from this, you know, not even really being able to exercise yeah. for, like, over a month, you know, missing seven weeks, um, especially with the head injury. Uh, yeah, it was, it was difficult to come back from. So it's taking me some time but i feel like i have kind of gotten back into the groove and i'm starting to uh, feel like myself again yeah no I mean, it, 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 it's kind of evident on the ice you know your, your stick works get everything just seems yeah. more connected right now um how has it been with scott and you know yeah it's it's been great playing with scott i mean we um i think we've played together for you know nine years now or something including bridgeport so uh 
we've, we've been we've been deep partners quite a bit along the way. Yeah. Yeah, even last year when uh, when Pooley was out with the foot, uh, me and Scotty and I played together for a lot of the season. So we're super comfortable with one another. Um, I think they just you know we're looking to shake things up, and you know it's been good playing with them. It just when you had to head, so you had to completely shut it down, right, for a long, long time. Right? Uh, yeah. How much? How hard is it to get the muscles going again after you know a hard stop? Yeah, I, I know it's more difficult than I thought it would be. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's not even so much. It's easy to get kind of back into it on the ice because you're so happy to be out there again, so happy to be you know right. back with the guys on the ice and you know getting getting past it. But just even getting back into a game uh, and catching up to that speed and, uh, you know, everything that goes along with it, that's, uh, that was definitely the most challenging part. One thing Lou Lamarillo did not do uh, for Friday's trade deadline was trade away uh, impending unrestricted free agents Zach Parisi, uh, goalie Semyon Varlamov, or defenseman Scott Mayfield. And you can go back and forth on the pros and cons of that. Now, all three of these players expressed a strong desire to, to not go anywhere. Semyon Varlamov told me he wanted to re-sign here. And I know that's the case for Scotty Mayfield, too. Zach Parisi told me, you know, he's not really looking at next season. He'll, he'll be turning 39, to be honest. Yeah, he's playing really, really well. Uh, but the kids are getting older, and his wife and kids still live in Minnesota. So I, I, I wouldn't say it's a guarantee that Zach Parisi plays next season. I, I think that's a decision he'll have to make in the offseason. But I, I'm sure Lou Lamorello will have a place for him on next season's team if if he chooses to play. But as far as Varlamov and Mayfield, fitting him under the cap next season may be prohibitively uh, difficult. Uh, Semyon Varlamov is at a, a $5 million cap hit right now as he can uh, as he concludes a four-year deal. Um, he's not going to get $5 million again from the Islanders. Um, he'll be 35. And Ilya Sorokin, who, by the way, is due a huge raise from his $4 million, cap hit uh, following next season. Think maybe doubling that $4 million, somewhere around there. So you you can't afford Varlamov again at $5 million. And it's if he's serious about re-signing here, he's probably, you know, you're probably talking about him accepting maybe, you know, 2.5, you know, having what he was getting as an AAV. And... I, I don't quite know whether that will be, uh, you know, palatable to Varlamov, considering I, I think he's going to get much better offers on the market. I, I think there, there are teams who will still view Semyon Varlamov as a, a potential number one goalie, which he's not going to be here. And, you know, instead of playing the 25, uh, you know, to maybe 30 games, he'll get a chance with the Islanders next season and then probably closer to the 25. You're talking about Varley probably being able to go to another team and start, you know, maybe 45 games, maybe even 50 games for another team and make more money. So again, I'm not quite sure that as much as Simeon Varlamov wants to come back here, it just may not be financially reasonable for either the Islanders 
or Varlamov to make that relationship uh, continue past this season. As for Scotty Mayfield, um, he's been on a super, super friendly, uh, team-friendly cap hit uh, uh, around 1.5. Sorry, I don't have that figure right off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, under $2 million and for, for what Scott Mayfield is, he's he's going to get a significant raise, uh, and, and he's earned it. And whether or not the Islanders are the team to dole that out, I'm not 100% sure of that. So you, you, you hold on to these three players with the gamble that they walk for nothing after this season. And, and is that a gamble you like taking? Well, to explain Lou Lamarillo's position on it, or... Uh, I know he always builds teams from the net on out, and really, unless he was going to trade for another goalie, uh, he doesn't really have that, you know, Corey Schneider's playing uh, pretty well down in the AHL, but he has not been a day-to-day NHL goalie now. You know, you're going on, was it three seasons? Uh, a little longer for, for, for Corey, um, and, and I don't think Lou was there uh, trusting Corey Schneider as a backup in case anything happened to Ilya Sorokin. Um, and if you trade away Varlamov, you got to import another goalie. So why not just go with what you have? Is I'm, I'm just trying to give you devil's advocate the way Lou Lamarillo is thinking, right? Um, probably the same thing with Scotty Mayfield and look, uh, with Zach Parisi, you know, he's playing in your top six with these injuries. And you're, you're really, if you had traded away any one of those three, you would have really hurt the team's playoff chances. And Lou Lamarillo signaled very early on, January 30th, that he was a buyer, not a seller. And he believed this team could make the playoffs. So uh, the, the best way to look, particularly with Varley and Mayfield, is just look at them as trade rentals at this point that didn't cost you anything. Now, down the road, and this is a, a, a different, you know, a different discussion, but the Islanders are thin on draft capital and they are thin on top prospects in this organization. So could you have refilled the coffers by trading Varlamov and Mayfield? Yeah, to a certain extent. I, I don't know if either would have brought back a number one or not. Probably not. Um, you could have beefed up your, you know, maybe second and third round draft capital, uh, maybe imported a, a prospect or even, you know, uh, another defenseman. But uh, I'm pretty sure Lou looked at it and weighed what the organization would get in the future compared to the, the playoff push right now. And I think the playoff push right now clearly took precedence. So just look at Varlamov and Mayfield as playoff rentals going ahead right now. And, uh, you know, uh, if they leave and this team does not make the playoffs, then it was a bad gamble on, on Lou's part. But it, it certainly was the gamble he decided to take. Now, as far as being a buyer and not a seller, I mentioned January 30th. That was the day that the Lou Lamarillo brought in Bo Horvat. Um from the Canucks for Anthony Beauvillier, for Atu Ratu, and for a a top 12 protected pick, which I believe the Canucks have already traded away. Um, and we thought that was going to be the uh, 
the linchpin in that in that deal. But uh, look, where would the Islanders be without Bo Horvat right now? Quite frankly, they they'd be out of the playoff hunt already, and especially with Matthew Barzell uh, getting hurt. Bo Horvat has been what he was advertised as. He's just one of the smarter hockey players. He just doesn't get out of position. Uh, he's not flashy, um, but that's okay because he's very, very effective. And he's got a really good shot, and, and he's a big body, and he just gets to the net, and he creates opportunities for both him and his line mates. And if Lou had not made that trade on January 30th for Bo Horvat, I'm saying right now, he would have had to tear it down at the trade deadline because the Islanders would have been out of it already. Um, he also gets Pierre Ingvall from the Toronto Maple Leafs for a third-round pick in 2024. And yeah, Pierre Ingvall does make this a better team because he, he can play on Bo Horvat's line uh, with Anders Lee. He's, he's a big body, skates really well, he's got a long reach. Um, you know, he's, he's probably not going to be a, a 30 goal scorer, um, but he, he can be a 20, 25 goal scorer. And, uh, he's also an impending unrestricted free agent. So whether he's a playoff rental or part of the, uh, long-term solution here, I, I we're probably not going to find out until the off season, but you know, for a third round pick, I, I thought that was a savvy little pickup, uh, for, for Lou Lamorello because he was playing, not he, but uh, Lane Lambert was playing Matt Martin. He was playing Simon Holmstrom. He was playing Casey Sezikis, uh on the top line with Barzell Hurt. And uh, that's just not the type of finisher. Uh, no disrespect, because Matt Martin's having a hell of a season. Uh, but that's not the type of finisher that uh, Bo Horvat needs. Um, now, can they expect... Uh, lineup reinforcements, and I'll touch more mainly on that subject in Andrew's answers, but you're looking at Jean-Gabriel Pajot being injured with an upper body. Um, he's probably the closest to coming back, and then you got Matthew Barzell, and you've got Oliver Wallstrom, who you shouldn't expect at all this season uh, with, with, with the knee injury, and Cal Clutterbuck, who's maybe, maybe not. One area of great need for this team, and I talk about all these must-wins coming up, right? Well, they're must-wins where you have to earn two points in these three-point games. It's, it's not good enough for the Islanders to, to get one point to go into overtime and then just not get that second point. That's, that's not going to get you into the playoffs. And, and uh, that, you know... They're 0-5 now in shootouts. And I think the overall numbers, I think it's 1-14 for 14 on shootout attempts this season. And that's, boy, that, that, that's something that'll knock you out of the, the playoffs. I mean, you imagine where the Islanders would be, say, if they even got, you know, three of those, three of those five points in the shootouts. Uh, you know, that, that gets you to 75 points in 65 games. And... Honestly, that that that's a lot. That's a lot closer to the playoffs than seventy-two points in sixty-five games. And also, in, in overtime, they're they they have a four-three record, so pretty good. But you, you gotta find a way to get that second point when it's out there and available. And you know, Lane Lambert's answer 
when I asked him about the shootouts is, you know, they, they, they got to be better. It's on the players. Well, I sort of felt like that was a punt on Lane's part. Uh, you know, you got to, you also got to switch up the players you're using a, a little bit. And, uh, you know, I asked him about Zach Parisi this week and Zach has historically really, really good numbers uh, in the shootout, but he hasn't been used yet by the Islanders. And I asked Lane about that as well and uh, sort of punted on that question. He said it was a good question, and he sort of said, you know, Zach had been good on the shootout earlier in his career. Well, you know, why not now? Uh, you, you're not doing anything with these other guys he keeps sending out, so why not? But anyway, uh, I, I think this is going to be, what, what are we, we're first week of March here. I'm really excited about the next five weeks of hockey. You know, just like the players, I'm really looking forward to this. And look, as a, as a reporter, it's kind of fun after the trade deadline because uh, you're not, you know, you're not driving, you know, on Long Island, you know, kind of you know, cringing, expecting a, a text saying the, rain, uh, the, the, the Islanders had made a trade or anything like that. You know, this, this is the team. Um, so I, I, I spoke to Kyle Palmieri, uh, right before the trade deadline on Friday, I spoke to him about the makeup of, of the team. And, and we also touched upon the shootouts. Well, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of different things you can look at. Um, obviously the, the playoff runs kind of far away, um, far removed from that, but I think we've really liked the way we played hockey lately. Um, mm-hmm. missing some key guys in the lineup and, uh, we're we're contributing, and, and I think when you look at that, uh, we're we know we're capable of winning games, whether it be one nothing or two two one things like that. Um, but I think uh, obviously it's it's impossible not to be confident in our two goalies, and, and they're going to give us a chance to win and be in every game. So um, it's just kind of up to us to to find a way to win. What was the, the, the tipping point or the turning point in getting that defensive structure a little tighter as it's been, you know, I mean, what is it, a week and a half, two weeks, or, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, well, I guess when you think about it and you look, I mean, even a couple of losses uh, where we've been playing well and, and just kind of not finding finding the way to, to get the result, it's, it's something that we can, you can always rely on your structure and, and your defensive structure. So I think it's something that, we know our goalies are going to make some great saves, some game-saving saves, um, and keep us in it. I think it's just up to us to be able to limit the second opportunities and um, and make sure that uh, we're not making it too difficult on our own goalies. And I think it's turned into uh, being able to create even a little more offense from us. Um, and you see the, the times we struggle, it's we're, we're a little disconnected or, or not completing passes coming out of the zone. And, um, it's hard to generate and, and get your feet moving, and whether it be a line rush or even dumping the puck in and getting on the forecheck, it, it helps having clean breakouts and, and being able to play with speed. And, um, I think when we when we're able to do that and, and play with some pace, we get on top of teams and and uh, we're tough to play against. So I think that's something that um, we pride ourselves in, and, and we just want to continue to to get better at doing it. Hey, with the shootout, yeah, I know you guys haven't won one. You know, Lane says after the game. You know, it's just up to the guys. They got to score. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can't snap your fingers and do yeah. that. But what, what, you know, what can be done better in shooting? Um, I mean, it's tough. It's it's a weird situation. You go from 
three on three where it's intense and kind of back and forth and a lot of skating to mm-hmm. you're the only guy out there and, and it's slowed down and the, the pace is what you choose to skate at. Um, but no, I, I, I think it's, I mean, you could say it's confidence, you can say it's scouting, no one of these doing, but um, I think for the most part, you look at the guys that are successful and in the shootout and they have a couple moves and uh, they're able to read and react off, off where the goalie is, his positioning and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean it's a skill and, and not everyone has every skill and yeah. not everyone's great at everything so I think it's, sure. it's something that you, you want to focus on it and give yourself a chance to, to score um, uh, but at the end of the day it's it's you versus the goalie and uh, historically I think goalies have, have fared pretty well so thanks to Kyle Palmieri for his thoughts, and thanks earlier to uh, Adam Pellick about, uh, for opening up about uh, coming back from that head injury. And now let's see what you want to hear about. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And we'll start with Joseph Duhane, who says, uh, actually, we'll start with uh, Joseph Duhame, who says, any clues to... Pajot and Barzell's return. We'll start with Phil Merriweather, who says three questions, Barzell, Barzell, Barzell. And we'll start with Rock the Barn, who says any update on Pajot? He was skating, but not with the team yet. Is he a likely return before the end of the season? And we'll start with Keith Amato, who says biggest two questions are what the heck is the injury status of Pajot and Barzell? guess it's a CIA-type state secret to disclose whether they'll return in X number of weeks or months. Fans deserve to know. If neither returns this season, uh, they are unlikely to make a playoff run. And look, uh, Gigi Pajot was in the the Islanders' post-game dressing room after the win over the Red Wings on Saturday Looking and moving pretty good. He's uh, been skating on his own. He needs to join the uh, the Islanders for a skate. Um, it would not shock me if that happens on Monday. Uh, the Islanders have a practice before hosting the Sabres on Tuesday. I, I would say Pajot, who has an upper body, is uh, is obviously the closest of the injured Islanders to come back. And yeah, no, this is... This is a sooner rather than later thing, or at least that's the indication for J.G. Pajot. And and getting J.G. Pajot back in the lineup is, is really, it's going to fill a lot of things out. Um, you, you put him back on the third line, and now, you know, Casey Sezikis can go back to uh, skating on the fourth line, and, uh, you know, and that, now you, you, you take Otto Koivula out, I would assume. Uh, you know, Pajot can go back on the power play as well. Um, he, he's he's going to be a roster update when he is healthy. And like I said, uh, uh, Lane Lambert has said he is getting closer. Uh, you know, probably when you see him start skating with the team, you'll know he's probably within a week of coming back, I would think. So uh, Barzell, uh, a little bit different. Um, still not on the ice. Um He's doing upper body workouts, what he can off the ice, but he was, you know, he was watching practice the other day. He was at the game. He's walking around much better. I can report that. Uh, when I saw him 
at the practice facility the other day. He was walking around without a limp. And, uh, you know, when we when he was walking around maybe a week or two before that, it, it was a little bit more labored. So, you know, that, that that's my report on progress on Matthew Barzell. The team is holding out hope that he can return before the end of the season. I, I don't know that that's a guarantee. They're still listing him as week to week. Uh, let's see. Um, Lou Lamb's burner account. Uh, if some injured players are back for the playoffs in case they qualify, I could see Lane having to decide between Bailey and Holmstrom for the last forward spot. Who are you picking as of today? Um, I'm going to tell you who Lane Lambert is going to pick in that instance, and that is probably going to be Josh Bailey. Uh, you see it. I, I think the biggest clue is, is Lane Lambert is still using Josh Bailey on the power play uh, rather than Holmstrom. Holmstrom's minutes have gone way down, as, is, as has Bailey, you know, skating on the fourth line with Simon Holmstrom and Otto Koivula, but Bailey is still being used on the power play, and I think that's an indication uh, that the coaching staff still trusts him to, to some extent and still believes he can help the overall group. Um, and, you know, also when it comes to the playoffs, I think the coaching staff will err on the side of the player with playoff experience if it does come down to Bailey or Holmstrom. I, I would say that that's likely, but not a hundred percent guaranteed. You know, uh, uh, Hudson Fashing has played really, really well, um, but also, you know, do, do you throw him in that mix? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I would, I would tend to think maybe Holmstrom becomes the odd guy out uh, if that's the case. Um, Scott McAvoy says, "What's the feeling on Dobson? He has struggled defensively this year and seems to have taken a step back." while the organization clearly expected him to step up. Is there an option in free agency for a more established power play quarterback who isn't such a defensive liability? And yeah, you know, Noah Dobson... Now look, I, I've seen and I've written about some of the improvements he's made offensively. He's, he's more confident with the puck in the offensive zone. He sees the ice better. He's taking his time. He's creating space a little bit better, and he's been really good at sending pucks on the net that can be tipped in. But I agree defensively, and particularly his pairing with Sebastian Ajo of late, that's been a defensive liability. So is there an option in free agency for a more established power play quarterback? Um, Well, you know, one guy that I, I thought maybe the Islanders should have brought in as a as a playoff rental is Shane Gostas here, but he goes to the Carolina Hurricanes, um, and so you know, I, I'm I'm not I'm not thrilled with committing to Gostas here for more than one season. Uh, same deal with John Klingberg. Um, sort of his game has regressed, but. You know, I mentioned Dmitry Orlov earlier, and he's a guy that was traded from the Capitals to the Bruins. And, it, you know, if there's a guy, he could help on the power play also. And, and or, Orlov's a really solid defenseman. So, you know, I, I think his price is going to be pretty high on the free agent market. But I would, if he gets there, I would definitely kick those tires. And, and also, I'll give you one other name. And this is from Lou Lamarillo's past, which is why I bring it up. But I'm not sure that Damon Severson, um, you know, 
if he if he's made available or if he's available, uh, I, I sort of get the feeling that maybe Lou takes a look at that as well. Um, you know, they certainly have a history there going back to the Devils. So uh, I'm just quickly calling up Damon's uh, contract status here um, because I don't... Yep, yeah, no, nope, uh, I got that one right. He is an unrestricted free agent after this season. Now, do you let Scott Mayfield go and maybe bring in uh, Damon Severson because he can provide a little bit more offense? Um, you know, they're both right-handed shooters. So, uh, look... I, I I could see that. And, you know, Damon's a guy who who could play on the power play if you're looking to upgrade there. Um, Matt says it feels like everyone else made upgrades at defense, defense for Chief and Lou is content to leave uh, $7 million on the salary cap on the table and watch uh, Parker Weatherspoon play six minutes per game versus Boston in round one. Well, uh, I think that's a stretch because... As of right now, Parker Weatherspoon is the seventh D-man. Uh, maybe you're thinking, well, anyway, um, do you think they even make it ahead of Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Ottawa? A week ago or two weeks ago, I was a much more solid no uh, on the Islanders making the playoffs. Right now, I, I, I'm going to say it's probably, you know, maybe 40 to 45%. But if you give me a week's worth of wins uh, against the Sabres, uh, the Penguins, and the Capitals this week, uh, you go 3-0 and through that, I'm going to bump up that percentage probably from 40 to 45%, well, well above 60%. So I, I think this is a huge crucial week for the Islanders. Uh, Jerry Cruz, uh, when I wished everyone a happy Sunday... He said, have a great day, too. I'm watching IndyCar racing at noon. Give it a try. It's going to hook you. And I will say, when, when I was a kid, I, 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 I certainly enjoyed IndyCar and the Indy 500 and all that. You know, the A.J. Foyts and the Andrettis, Michael, Mario, all that stuff. I, I enjoyed it much more as a kid. I have not watched it in a long, long time. I think... Uh, you know, once you start to drive every day, uh, I, I don't want to watch other people drive. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Michael says, um, was curious why Arnaud Durando is the odd man out and sent back to Bridgeport. He seemed like he would make a good bottom six forward. I, I think there is an NHL future for Arnaud Durando. He did look the part when he was up here in his four games. Lane Lambert talked about some consistency issues, and I think that's coach speak for didn't quite trust him defensively yet. But uh, I, I would look for a big training camp out of Arno Durando. I, I think he has certainly put himself in the mix as a future New York Islander as a regular. Uh, Thomas Boyle says, with the Rangers' recent struggles, could you see the Islanders passing them in the standings? And you know what? Sorry, Thomas. No, I, I, I can't see it. Uh, the Rangers are, are going to figure it out. They, they're, they're incorporating a lot into their roster right now with Patrick Kane. They're, they're, they're not going to keep losing at this pace. And look, it's still a seven-point gap, and the Rangers have two games in hand 
as I speak, I, I don't see the Islanders making that up. Uh, Dave Mack says, can we expect Cal Clutterbuck back at all? I know Clutter's trying. Uh, he's skating on his own. Um, and I don't think he would be skating if uh, he didn't think there was at least an outside chance of him coming back. So, you know, I, I can't give you any kind of time frame on this, but I can just tell you Clutter is working at getting back, and he's done it time and time again, so I wouldn't necessarily bet against him. Um, Robert Gebhardt said, were there any players that Lou was pursuing up to the deadline that fell through? And look, he, we, we know how Lou Lamarillo works in terms of the secrecy. So I can't tell you for certain that, they, that he had a deal with one player and, and it just didn't work. But all those defensemen I mentioned that, that were traded, the, the Gostas Behirs, the Klingbergs, uh, maybe even the Kulikovs, maybe even Orlov. Um, I'm sure Lou had discussions on those just to see what the prices were. Um, but I, I don't know for sure that there was any kind of deal ever in place that fell through. Um, and Tro says, with Josh Bailey closing in on passing Dennis Potvan for games played, do you think the Islanders will do anything special for it? And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. No, uh, I, I think there will be some kind of, uh, you know, marking of that, that feat, um, for Josh Bailey, um, whenever, whenever he does, uh, or does not, or, or does pass Denny Podvan, uh, which would be a huge accomplishment. I mean, Denny meant so much for, for this franchise and look, you know, uh, I know we're, we're, we we talk about Josh Bailey a lot, but he's he's sort of been a, uh, a part of the fabric of this franchise for for a long time, and you know over a thousand games, and uh, he he does deserve his due. And now, it just for the number here, Josh Bailey is at one thousand fifty games. Dennis Potvin, who is number two on the list, is at one thousand. Uh, 60 games. Um, you know, I, I, I think they might put something up on the score scoreboard for that. And of course, uh, Brian Trotty is the all-time leader for the Islanders uh, with 1,123 games played. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I mean, uh, Josh Bailey, 10 games away. That's, that's coming up, right? Uh, Yank from lower 48 says... Uh, I like the the pickups at the trade for the trades, but I thought Shen would have been a good fit. Do you think the Islanders are satisfied with the call ups? That this may be the roster for next season. Is this a playoff team or a wild card team next year? And uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, Yank from Lower Eight. I no, this is this is not the roster for next season. There there needs to be some renovations. Talk about Josh Bailey. I I, I can't guarantee that he's going to be back, but I, I think it may go bigger than that. I think you may look, you know, maybe mix it up. Do you, do you trade away uh, J.G. Pajot? Uh, I think you, you could go down that. Like I said, I don't think Mayfield or Varlamov come back next season either. Uh, not sure about Parisi. Um, I, I think it's, you know, for once, it's going to be a different group. So I, I can't, until I see it, I can't tell you whether it's a playoff team or a wild card team. And, and I do think there are some, there, there were some call-ups that have caught, like, 
that have caught the Islanders' eye. I, I think Samuel Bullduck will have a chance to make the roster next season. Uh, same for Arnaud Durando. You talk about William Defoe. He's got some good size there. So there, there are some prospects who are going to get looks. Um, but I think it's going to be a real interesting offseason. So uh, thank you for all the questions. Thank you for listening to episode 157 of Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. Again, I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday, and you can find me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday, and you can find all of Newsday's Islanders content at newsday.com backslash aisles. And until the next episode, happy hockey, everybody.